Welcome to the Everyday iRacers podcast, episode 15. I'm Josh. And I'm Rob. And we are Everyday iRacers, just like you. It was a very interesting week, wasn't it, Josh? You were not around. Yeah, I wasn't around until basically until yesterday. I had a lonely week on iRacing. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to be back. You know, missed hanging out. My week was kind of out the window as well. You ended on a high note though. So whatever else happened in between, it ended well. Yeah. uh, Last night we spent a bit of time racing and talking about podcasts and such, but we finished the evening with a dirt race, a rookie street stock, and I won. (laughs) It was awesome. I mean, I was really excited about this. I haven't won a race in a long time. I can't tell you. I think I've won one other race or something. I don't remember even remember which one it was in my entire iRacing career, right? I don't have this book of wins. Anyway, we were talking while we were racing, but we were in different races. We were in different splits. My adrenaline was going crazy. I was in second place, ended up overtaking him, ended up pulling about a two-second lead, came across the finish line in first place, and I was stoked. Yeah, it was was fun to kind of talk to you, although we weren't in the same race, you know, like you're saying. I was doing a dirt race in a lower split. And and the funny thing is, it was getting late, and we just said, yeah, let's jump into a race. Let's let's find a dirt race. You said, oh, here's a here's a rookie street stock. Let's jump in. We had eight minutes and you were kind of saying, I don't know. I'm not getting around this thing very fast. You were going to spend the last two minutes before the race watching someone else during practice just to get a sense for how do you attack this thing. You went out and won it. So yeah, well done. It was good fun. And in that same race, I think I had my best dirt finish ever. Maybe I got third. So I had fun too. Well, one of the things that I find exciting about this is that they are rookie races or D-class races, but I mean, they're not a-class IMSA races and that kind of stuff. And I had more adrenaline going in my rookie class race last night than any of these other big races in a long, long time. The service is spectacular, the entire spectrum of licensed classes, you know? So I'm learning. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. The iRacing service just has this kind of breadth and depth of you know, different race classes, different skill sets, but you're with your people, right? You're you're supposed to be with the rookies in the D-class and dirt right now because you're just getting started. I don't know that you have uh, declared that you're going to be you know, iRacing world champion, but it's pretty fun. It's an entertaining way to spend time. And the other thing, it kind of reminds me of when we started and we were jumping into BMW 12, which we finally figured out the 12 stands for 12 minutes. You just jump in, you go, you have fun and it's over on to the next. Last night, I beat my peeps. <laughs> Your people. <laughs> my people. So that was last night. The rest of my week, though, was pretty dry on the iRacing front. You were not around. I hurt my back, so I wasn't sitting down in my sim rig very much. So I took a few days off uh, and then I also received my VR headset while you were away. And obviously the second it showed up, I had to unbox it, put it on my face. Of course. So see fish swimming around in my living room, all that kind of stuff, right? So how did that go? Like, what was that first impression pulling it out of the box? All right. You know, we both ordered these VR sets. I was kind of hoping that we would have a mutual unboxing and sort of review together as we went through this. But that's not how it panned out. You got yours first. You couldn't wait to try it on. You got some first impressions. Then you went away. I got mine. I put mine on. I had my own first impressions, but I wasn't able to take advantage of you to help me with settings and all that kind of stuff. 
stuff. I had to use YouTube for that. But anyway, I got it on Wednesday afternoon. I plugged it in, got some things set up, downloaded, and went into the basic stock Microsoft aquarium kind of thing where a whale swims right. by you and stuff. And it was amazing. I mean, it's, it is crazy. I mentioned last week that my only experience with VR was going to the Seattle Science Center. And I tried it on a couple of years ago. And literally what they had at the Science Center was the stock Microsoft blue ocean thing where the whale swims by you. So this is what I was doing in a science center two years ago. And I did the exact same thing in my living room. And my wife was cleaning out stuff in the garage or whatever. And I said, come on in, you need to try this. And she put it on and she's pretty skeptical about a lot of this tech stuff. Yeah. She doesn't really have much interest in it. So she put the headset on and she was just in giggles. <laughs> she was like, this is incredible. And then she was, you know, looking at the fish and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a pretty cool experience. Yeah. But. And it is. And that gee whiz. And I remember kind of saying last week, hey, you're, you're going to have your family down around your rig, just trying stuff out, just putting that headset on for that wow moment of VR. Yeah. So it sounds like you'd have experienced a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. Everybody took advantage of the party trick component of it. And it is pretty amazing. Then I plugged it in to iRacing. And um, ah, that's a deep sigh. <laughs> what, uh, what, what happened? First, I just want to say that whether you like the VR or you don't like the VR, it's incredibly subjective. So for me, when I put it on, the issue was clarity. It wasn't as clear as I really wanted it to be. There's no question that it is really, really cool. The 3D component of it, the depth is amazing. I mean, even before you roll away in the car, you're just sitting in the cockpit of the car and it's awesome. The inside of the cars are incredible. You know, the switches and everything everywhere and you're looking around the car. That was really, really cool to me. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, the lighting inside the car and just the detail, looking at the steering wheel, like I have that, uh, the Lamborghini GT3 car and looking at that steering wheel, I, I almost just sit in the pit sometimes and just stare <laughs> at the steering wheel and turn it and look at the knobs and just how it's got some neon on it. It kind of glows and that's just the yeah. steering wheel. There's all kinds of gadgets and boxes and wires and they're all brought to life inside that car. So there's a common complaint with the VRs. Some people are saying, oh, it doesn't have the field of view that you would get if you had like triple screens or something like that. That didn't bother me one bit. I'm not worried about a little more narrow field of view. My viewpoint on it is if I was in a real car, if I was wearing a racing helmet and sitting in a car, my field of view is not as wide as my triple screens are right now. So yeah, it's almost like having blinders yeah. on to some degree in a, with a race helmet. Yep. So it, that didn't bother me very much. And then there was to talk about the sweet spot. There's this like narrow window in your field of view, which is nice and crystal clear. And then it starts to get foggy a little bit on the outside. Here's where my problem lies. It was blurry all around. And the issue is I wear glasses. I think this is the issue. So I take my glasses off and then I put the VR headset on and, you know, it's just not crystal clear. So I took a pair of reading glasses, put them on and then put the VR headset on and... You know, they're kind of touching the lenses and stuff. So it's not a long-term scenario. And it improved a bit. Apparently, you can buy like prescription lenses to sort of little caps to put on the lenses inside the VR headset. And that very well may solve the problem. But they're another hundred bucks or something. I see. I know that you kind of had an issue with fit as well. And what did you do? Well, and I'm just curious really quick on the glasses. Yep. I'm actually holding the, I guess they call it the face gasket in my hand. It's removable on this yep. headset. And it's just not designed. It's just not big enough for most glasses to fit into, or it'd be just pure luck if they did. Is that kind of what it comes down to? 
Yeah, you can fit glasses on your face within the headset, but they need to be on the smaller side. So just your glasses didn't easily fit. Yeah, plus it's just added, you know, pressure on your nose and temples from your eyeglasses. It's not ideal, right? You know, I'm fortunate at this point, I don't have glasses or contacts, so I didn't even have to think about that aspect. I'm, I'm focused on, like you're saying, the sweet spot. And so you can go out and watch tens of videos about the G2 and the field of view and the sweet spot and that it's it's not that great. It's incredibly high res. Everything looks great. It's just the sweet spot where everything is fully in focus is very narrow. And if you move the headset just a tiny bit, you lose that sweet spot and you're kind of, you're kind of chasing that. So one of our listeners posted to Reddit uh, a week or so ago that Hey, you know, you can get this this extra, I guess they call it again, face gasket that someone 3D prints and you can order it on eBay. And he posted the link and I did. It was $50 US, so it wasn't cheap. I got that in and it basically pulls your eyes up closer to the, um, I think they're called Fresnel lenses and they basically are magnifying these small screens that are behind them. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure, but basically it puts your eyes as close as possible. So much more was in focus just by moving my eyes, you know, maybe a couple centimeters closer to those lenses. The sweet spot was almost the full field of view and the field of view was expanded because it was filling everything that I could see. Well, that's encouraging. And it's a shame they don't offer that as an option or that they don't have a better system for someone that's wearing glasses or, you know... (laughs) It's interesting. I want to love it so much. And I'm trying to think, you can watch a YouTube video. It's until you try it for yourself, it's really kind of hard to convey this. It's real life. It's almost like you're there, but everything is just not perfect. And on my triples, everything looks really crisp and buttery smooth. And I've kind of tweaked and perfected. And yes, I am pretending to drive a race car and staring at a flat screen. You know, with the VR headset, you feel like you're actually driving a race car. I don't know. Okay, so my feeling on this is I'm not very happy with the way I've got things sort of set up. And I'm inclined just to rebox it and to send it back. Don't don't do that yet, though. Well, yeah, we'll see. But for me, I set up my VR and then my app.ini files changed and my DX whatever files changed. And then when I wanted to go back to triples, everything was all messed up and I couldn't get it back to triples. That sort of destroyed another day Mm -hmm. day of my week of iRacing trying to get my triples back. So there's a switching back and forth that I found confusing or frustrating. And there's ways around that, but I just didn't have it figured out. Uh, So that was one thing. The other issue for me is when you have the headset on, inevitably you're lifting it off your head a bit to fiddle with something in the real world, like looking at your keyboard or finding your mouse Mm -hmm. or something. And for me, when I lift it off of my eyes, I need to grab my glasses, put my glasses on do whatever I'm doing, take my glasses off, put the headset back down. It's just not a nice, smooth process. Now, granted, maybe if I got used to it, I would just put on the headset and I could sit there for an hour and have no need to like lift it off my face and have everything at my fingertips and I know where things are. You know, I get it, but I'm not there yet. And furthermore, if I do stick with this, I need to take another $100 gamble and order some prescription lens pieces to put on the the VR headset thing. I'm not convinced. You know, I will say one thing that I was concerned about was that I would have motion sickness and I typically don't get motion sickness. I had gotten a little bit of it on the PlayStation and I'm wondering if it comes down to refresh rate and things like that. I am relieved that I can jump in the car and take off and I've got to configure so I'm getting consistent 90 frames per second. Motion sickness has not been an issue at all. 
So I'm able to kind of get past that. I'm not hung up on that. Now it's down to, you know, the hassle of it that you're describing, right? The getting used to it. I don't know if switching back and forth is going to be that easy. Maybe, maybe it will when you're used to both. Maybe it's no big deal to switch to triples and then pop back into VR, but getting up to go grab a drink or find your mouse or alt K or, you know, something to move the overlays around, all of that becomes a chore. I'll say that our teammate Lee, he has the G2 reverb. He raves about it. He really likes it. I haven't yet spent time with him sort of going over his settings and making sure that I am doing it the right way and that I'm set up correctly. So I think I will stick around with it, plug it back in when he's online and maybe spend an evening uh, working through it with him. Honestly, I also want to have it plugged in and open up some of the other games to sort of see how easy they are to just jump right into a, a race in VR. When you and I were playing around on week 13 with AC and Automobilista 2, you know, we were struggling with the triple screen setup and all that kind of stuff. But I think that's a lot easier if you just have a VR headset on. Uh, so I'm going to give it another couple of nights of playing around before making a final decision. Well, and it's interesting for anyone that's listening, if they wanted to see someone do a pretty good job of putting it into words and comparing the the Pimax 8K and the Reverb G2, um, Nils Husingfeld, who obviously uh, owns the company that does the pedals, and I think he does a lot of the physics and tire development on Automobilista 2. He did a really great video that just so happens that it was this past week kind of talking about the G2 and what he likes. You know, he talks about the sweet spot and the FOV and he compares it to the Pimax. And I think, I don't ruin the surprise here, but he concludes there is no perfect headset but he talks about what he likes about each one and why. So that's it's kind of worth a 27-minute watch on YouTube, yep. I would say. Uh, you posted that on our Discord, and I watched it as well. And I thought he was spot on, you know? I, I watched his video before mm -hmm. I got my headset. By the way, Nils Husingfeld, not only are his pedals top-notch, his videos are just top-notch. He'll, he'll sit there with a glass of wine. He'll say, I'm using this to help, you know, get to the heart of the matter and... <laughs> whether he's talked about field of view on VR headsets or he was talking about motion rigs and things like that this past week. So he's, he sort of cranked out a couple of videos this past week. Just he sits in front of his camera, he talks, maybe he draws on a, on a whiteboard or something like that. But clearly uh, the guy knows his stuff, an engineer, uh, you know, physics guy, developer, been around the industry. Yeah. So, so when I watched his video, he was comparing the the reverb, the HP reverb, and he was comparing another headset. I don't even know which one it was. It's the Pimax 8K. All I will say is if the VR world does not work for me with the HP Reverb, I'm not going to that other one. You know, it, they're too big. Like the way that other one fit, the size of it and the weight of it, I know it just drives me crazy. The Reverb is a very nice fitting light headset and it's not really cumbersome. And whether I go for it in this generation of VR headset or maybe I'm just one generation behind, you know, I just need generation three to come out before I'm really buying into it. Either way, I don't want to go heavier or larger than what the G2 Reverb has out there now. It is kind of like that one or none of them yep. for me. And, you know, you're talking about a lot of the compromises around using a VR headset, but sound is another big compromise. And Nils Husingfeld really addresses that. He said, I have a headset that I like and I can't really wear that headset anymore. And he kind of shows you on each of the, each of the VR yep. uh, head mounted displays why the headset's not going to work. 
And I'm really attached to the the Steel Series headset that I've got. I mean, I love it. And I don't want to give that up. And the G2 has interesting sound. I guess they worked with Valve to to get their sound from the index and all these kinds of things. But you're giving up more than you're getting. You're getting this really cool thing, but it's not as cool as it's supposed to be. Unless hmm. you get it exactly right. Here we're going right back into a subjective universe again, right? Yep. I hear what you're saying on the sound, but you know what? I wasn't disappointed with the little speakers that you know are above your ear. I find that the whole experience with with the VR when you have it on, it is so immersive and it is so crazy. You being inside the car and that whole depth perception thing is so cool that the sound is totally adequate for me. It folds me into that virtual world, uh, and I'm not bothered by not having a top quality headset on and that kind of thing. So the sound didn't bother me so much. Well, that, that's what makes this hard to try to see if it works for you. You know, you can't just rent a VR headset and say, hey, let me try this one this week. And no, not that one. Let me let me exchange that and get it. You can't really do that with a 600 or $1,000 VR headset. And so you kind of have to take a plunge Hope it works. Hope you've listened to enough podcasts or watched enough YouTube videos that you understand what you're getting into and the limitations and the the pros, which are many as well. For some reason, we're kind of focused on the negative, but and then the pro, the immersion, I guess. You can sum it up in one word, immersion. <laughs> then the cons, you can kind of go on and on and on for about 30 minutes. I think that's probably why we're- Going on and on yeah. and on for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, in short, I find that, you know, you and I are very much into the rig stuff, you know, the screens or the sound and in the immersion. So that's what we really enjoy. The VR headset for me had the opportunity to really take that to a different level. But as with everything on sim rigs, everything is a compromise. You know, you can go for 1440 screens, but then your fr frame rate's going to drop. So do you want to like, you know, sacrifice the FPS for the nicer screen? There's always compromise. Do I spend money on this or do I spend money on that? Is the 150 bucks better to buy a transducer or better to get a shifter or something, right? And I kind of feel like the VR is a giant compromise as well. You know, do I go for a little bit less quality sound, but way better visuals and, and depth? And it's just up to every individual person to sort of decide whether or not you're willing to make those respective compromises. Today, for me, I'm not so sure I'm ready to make all those compromises. And it's just kind of the convenience thing that's got me right now. Well, the convenience thing and the clarity thing, but I got to think that I could probably fix the clarity issue. I'm not so sure yet though. We'll spend an evening with Lee and get some settings squared away, make sure I'm on the right path and then we'll make a judgment call. Yeah. And like you said, Lee spends almost every evening fully immersed in VR while we're racing, except for endurance races. One of our other teammates, Marcelo, has VR and went back to triples. And I remember when he first said that, I was kind of thinking, wait, if he had VR, why would he ever go back to triples? It's amazing, isn't it? And it is. But I can kind of see why someone would try it out and say, uh, it's not going to work 100% for me at this point in time. But I can also see why someone would say, I'm never going back. So <laughs> watch a bunch more YouTube videos. You know, if you're out yep. there listening, decide if it's for you. You can always sell it on eBay or if you buy it at the right place and return it within a week, you probably can do that. So probably to be continued on the VR, but that's kind of where we are after what, roughly about a week each. We've talked a little bit about sound and I know here on the podcast, the graphics are a recurring theme and sound may come up a little bit when we talk about other Sims. The iRacing sound is good. I haven't had the privilege of driving around the track in a 911 RSR GTE car in real life, so I don't know exactly what it sounds like. There are YouTube videos of drivers doing that. It always sounds a little bit more raw, maybe. 
But I, I noticed that there was a discussion this week on the iRacing forums. It kind of spilled over into Reddit around sound. And there's a developer on the iRacing staff. He goes by Aussie Greg Hill, like Australian. And um, sounds like he's sort of one of the head sound engineers, potentially, just based on his comments. I guess I was glad he said he doesn't like being second to anybody. And, you know, he was kind of saying, hey, if there's supposed to be more backfires on the Corvette because someone is complaining about it, let's figure that out. Send me a link. Let's let's see this. And that's the kind of attitude that I think I personally want to hear from an iRacing developer, an iRacing sound engineer. That whole team is sort of just competing, right? They want to be the best. And I think that's what all of us out here are hoping for, that our kind of beloved race sim is, you know, built by people that are pushing every day to make it the best one out there and that they don't just have their head in the sand and say, ah, it's good enough. So I really kind of like that. But yeah, he talked a lot about the sound and he basically said, hey, I'm kind of um, waiting on some smart developers to have some time to kind of help me, you know, continue to evolve the sound. It was really kind of an interesting discussion, a little peek behind the curtain of, you know, what goes on in the iRacing development world. Yeah, it certainly made it sound like they were not just complacent with what they had. It sounds to me like the X-Audio edition six months ago or something was kind of a stepping stone for some of the future changes to sound that they have in the works. Yep. A lot of times, you know, when we talk about the settings and, oh, change this setting or turn this one up or turn this one down for better FPS, or we don't really think about the audio. And one thing I noticed in his comments was he said, if you turn up the particle detail, you'll actually get more backfires and, and different sounds. So that was kind of an interesting uh, comment. Where do you turn up particle detail? So it's under graphics, there's shaders, ultra detail, and then kind of on the left-hand column, there's particles, high, medium, or low. So put that on high or something and you can get different sounds. Yep. You can get more backfires mm. and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to do that right away. Crank it. <laughs> do you know anything about like when they moved to X audio, what did that really do or what did that improve? I think that X audio is part of Microsoft DirectX, like a development platform, kind of like the game is currently written in DirectX 11 and everyone says, oh, can you move it to DirectX 12? When are you going to do that? Are you doing that behind the scenes? So I think X audio is kind of an evolved version of the sort of the underlying sound development platform. So they can do much more maybe spatially or quality perspective or, or something like that. So I think X audio mm -hmm. kind of sets the stage for them to do more of the things that they want to do to just kind of make it more immersive. They just need some smart developers to have some time. Eh? He said, he said, just waiting for some clever coders to get back on audio developments. And he said, I'm on your side and constantly rattling cages. That's what we want to hear, right? Uh, yeah. I'm used to being at the cutting edge of sound and have many ideas on the roadmap. I don't like playing second fiddle, not one bit. You know, the end of his post, he made a comment that if you have constructive comments about things you would like to have improved, post them on the iRacing forum because the developers are always reading them. And that's what really gets the attention of the developers. So the iRacing forum is a good place to go spend some time. 100%. And by the way, the developers post quite a bit, but you'd really have to thread through the forums on iRacing to kind of find it. And so it turns out there's an iRacing dev tracker. The link is uh, tracker.chogger.de. So C-H-O-G-G-E-R.de. And it just lists every time an iRacing developer posts to the forum, you can kind of see what they posted about and go directly to their post. You could probably just type in your favorite search engine, iRacing dev tracker, and I think it would come up right away. Another excellent example of why we need to get a website up and going so we can post the links to our podcast, right? I mean, that's an excellent example of a link that you just want to put up there so that people could just click on it. Yep. All right. What about the, uh, the coming week, Rob? What are you thinking? We're going to spend your time. 
Well, uh, this season, you know, continues to be very interesting for me. It's been non-conventional. I have not been in a GTE car, I don't think, since the beginning of the season. So I've just been doing a bit of dirt and practicing for Nürburgring and and tinkering with things like my rig and VR and so on. So it's kind of eaten up my time. This coming week is no different. I see my week doing a bit of dirt because it's fun and short and snappy. I see taking an evening to figure out the VR a little bit more. And really, my focus is going to continue to work on the Nürburgring for the 24-hour, which is in two weeks' time. I don't know if I'm going to get there. I have a lot of work left to do, but it is coming together. And I have to say, you know, for months and months, I've wanted to jump in and learn the Nürburgring, you know, because of its history and all that kind of stuff. Now that I'm finally doing it, I'm loving it. It is so much fun. I can't wait to learn it even more, really know like what's coming up next and where I'm supposed to be hitting apexes through the entire course. I'm going to love going in there every time the skippies are there, I'll want to race it. I was always the the race track that I avoided when it came up in a season because I just didn't know it. So it was always like a bye week, whether it was in VRS or Skippies or anything. But um, starting to learn it, it's very enjoyable. Takes a little more concentration to like learn this long track because I'm kind of watching a YouTube video section by section and then getting out on the track, hitting the reset button and going back. So I'm not just doing long laps time and time again, trying to chunk it out. And I'm not, you know, racing as much. Maybe that's why that dirt race last night was so much fun, you know, because I was side by side other people. So it's not kind of a the solo mission I've been on at Nürburgring, but really enjoying it and look forward to continuing my efforts and hopefully getting consistent enough to join our team for the 24 and two weeks time. Well, it's interesting. When I first met you about a year ago, there were two tracks that you were kind of focused on as long-term goals, Le Mans and Mm -hmm. Nürburgring. So here we are a year later and, you know, I think you feel pretty comfortable in the race car and with the sim. And so now you can kind of give the Nürburgring that focus. And and as you say, just break it into bite-sized pieces and kind of work on it. I still feel like when I go around it, I'm just playing a video game and it's just coming at me and I don't know what's next, but I can tell that there's so much character and that no two turns are the same. And you can kind of get that ingrained into your mind and and really enjoy it. I want to get to that place too. I'm starting to think I will not be able to do that in the next two weeks, just with things I've got going on, you know, life, but that doesn't mean I won't spend time there with you guys as you you kind of continue to learn and get ready for the 24. The thing that I'm excited about this week, for one thing, the GTE cars, the IMSA uh, series is going back to Watkins. I'm not done with Watkins. I've had a ton of fun there over the last, you know, three, four months and know the track well. Uh, So I'm excited about that. But the thing I'm really excited about is the Indy cars, which I haven't driven except the Indy 500 race. They're going to Barber Motorsports Park. And the reason I think that's pretty exciting is because I am going to Barber Motorsports Park in real life to watch the Indy cars next Sunday afternoon. So I think I'm going to try to run a race or two there. I think it will make the real life race when I'm there in person watching it that much more sort of immersive and feel like I'm part of it. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time this week doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to get to see for anyone that's a NASCAR fan, Jimmy Johnson is going to be racing. I, I believe he's doing all the the road uh, races for IndyCar. So he'll be there for his rookie premiere race. Roman Grosjean, if you're an F1 fan, he's driving across the United States right now in an RV with his wife and kids 
and he's tweeting and posting on Instagram and all these kinds of things as he drives, I guess, from the West Coast to the East Coast to Alabama, where Barber Motorsports Park is. He's going to be a rookie. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. And then all the regular IndyCar drivers are going to be there. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it in real life and knowing the track from the iRacing world will just make it that much more exciting. All right. Well, that sounds like an awesome weekend next weekend. I wish I could go and do that too. Yeah. So if you enjoyed the show, please hit that follow button wherever you're listening to your podcasts. If you have any comments, just search for Everyday iRacers on Reddit and you can leave your comments there. We will see all of those. If you want to send us an email, our email address is everydayiracers at gmail.com. Yeah, we hope to hear from you and we'll see you on the track. 